We want the experience of God's power. Now, I've talked about how I grew up many times, and um, for those of you who don't know, I grew up in the charismatic church, and um, I mean, it was, it was just rooted in the experience, just what was the Holy Spirit going to do next, and may not have always been the most intelligent, articulate people, but man, did they believe, and man, did God move. Because it wasn't about our own knowledge. It wasn't about the power that we have. That's, that's where we get caught up. We, we're always trying to figure it out. But God's bigger. He's inexhaustible. And I believe this year what God is calling us to is to be a church that looks for that God. Not, not the God that's been tainted by Western culture, who's confined to the 66 books of the Bible. That's important. But God is even bigger than your Bible. And when he left, when Jesus ascended, he didn't say, I'm going to leave you this book. He says, I'm going to leave you my spirit. We need to be a church who believes in scripture, yes, but who believes in that spirit that he left us with because by the power of that spirit, by the power of God, will the things that we just prayed about come to pass? With the healing that you've been desiring, the change, the deliverance that you've been hoping for, only by believing that will those things actually come to pass. That's, that's what I hope that we are aiming for in 2019. That God will show up. And he will move. Amen? Amen. Well, if I haven't said so to you, Happy New Year. Yeah, man. And it's, uh, it's good to see your faces, and um, I, I don't know about you, but I'm just kind of excited right now about what I feel like God's about to do. Uh, I'm excited personally about a new year. That's great, but I'm more excited because I just feel like God has been impressing upon us as we've been coming in, into 2019 about things being done and seeing some things differently, and, um, and it's great. Um, and then, as Matt mentioned, um, can you believe in just a few short weeks, we turn three? All right, there we go. There we go. I, uh, yeah, I, I remember when I, I used to uh, run a boys and girls club, I used to teach the kids that if you take your left hand and you clash it with your right hand, it makes this sound. We refer to it as clapping. And uh, believe it or not, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> That if you put those hands together and they make noise. Or for our chocolate and vanilla worshipers, the rule at one church is when the black guy's up, you can't make noise. That is the way that we get up. So we're about to celebrate, man, three years. And, uh, and I'm not sure if I am more amazed at how God has kept us over the last three years or the fact that you guys haven't fired me in three years. Like, both of those are really amazing to me uh, as I think about it. Uh, but what we've been doing uh, prior to this is just trying to figure out what's next. Um, before we even came into this building, uh, I, I was praying and asking God, what's next for us? Uh, because we've been very transparent and clear that we did not want a building to be our final destination. Uh, one church has to be bigger. The mission has to be bigger than a building. So I began praying and asking God, what is next? And so I invited the leaders in. We all began to sit and pray and ask the very same question. And over this next few weeks, uh, it's imperative. We put a video on social media and sent it through email. We're asking, man, that you try with every ounce of strength that you have to be with us over the next few weeks because what we're going to be doing is covering what we believe Lord has spoken to us about this next phase for our church and ministry. I know that it's going to stretch you. I know it's going to require a whole lot of you. But of all the many hours that there are in a month, God is just asking for, can I get, can I get six? Can I get six hours out of this, out of this, these, these next, these next months full of hours? Can we just get six hours out of you uh, in total? Can y'all commit to that? Anybody? Anybody? Somebody's like, I ain't lying before Jesus. I, I just, mm. so, um, 
We gathered under a vision that we believed in, and, uh, and I, I want us to read this vision together. Uh, it's real simple, so that we will we'll know what it was. Come on, let's read it together. One church. Yeah, that's the simple vision of our church, man. And we gathered three years ago, believing that if we grow in Christ, that we will be agents of transformation, both in our homes, in our communities, and wherever God places us. This is, this is our hope, right? And we've been putting in the work, right, over the last three years to figure out what this looks like and bringing together the congregations the way that we did, um, learning what it's like to be a true reconciling community who deals with issues of racial righteousness and different matters of justice. We've been putting that work in, building and developing relationships and friendships. I'm amazed still to this day at some of the friendships that I see within this congregation. Some of you all who hang out outside of a Sunday morning experience, when I hear about it, it tickles me because I know that had it not been for one church, there's no way you would have met and become friends. And I'm amazed at that. And, and I see how God has been doing things. And then God decided to take just a handful of us with little to no resources and bless us with the space for the first time that we can, we can call our own, where we're not sharing space. Like, that's a pretty big deal. God's been moving, right? Well, I don't know about you. I don't want him to stop. I don't want him to stop. I want a little bit more. And so last year at the beginning of the year, we embraced this tagline, slogan of sorts that we called Always Becoming. And uh, we, we, we wore T-shirts, and some of you have them on today, and we walked around talking about we are always becoming, and we never fully unpacked what that was. And so as we are walking into this next phase of ministry, not necessarily for 2019, but where we believe that God is taking one church from 2019 until, until he returns, we believe we'll be up under the auspices or the name of always becoming. So next year, we won't stand before you at the beginning of 2020, standing on a stage that says, well, you know what, man, 2019 has been a great year, and uh, we're embracing a new slogan going into 2020 called, We Have Become. That won't be the case. As a matter of fact, if we ever get to the point where we say we have become and Jesus has not come back, we're lying. Our pursuit should always be about becoming. And so what we're talking about over the next four weeks is basically simple. We're talking about discipleship, about spiritual growth, about how can we become more like Jesus. This is about relationships. It's not about some formula that will produce some results uh, that will make us feel good about ourselves. This is about a journey. It's not about a destination. And the only way that it should ever change that the day that we see Jesus face to face. And so as we're doing so, uh, we're going to walk through these next four weeks, basically what we're considering are calling the four pathways to always become. And real quickly, and then I'll pick up my assignment for the day. The first one this week we're going to be talking about, it's a word, say illuminated. Illuminated, man, we're talking about the word of God. What happens when the word of God illuminates and opens up your life? The second is united. Say United. And that we're talking about fellowship, the importance of relationships in our lives and how is God calling us to that. Direct it. Engaging the world with the gospel, truth, and justice. Yeah, how do we take what we learn and how do we share that where we are? And then ignite it. Yeah, that's talking about worship and a joy-filled, intimate experience and intimate life in Jesus Christ. And so that will be on our fourth week, our anniversary Sunday. And when we do, uh, each of you will be handed a card similar to this one, which will be kind of like your commitment card. And we'll ask you to say that for, for this year, just in 2019, I'm going to commit to living and leading a life where I allow the Word of God to come alive, and we're going to give you some practical steps in order to do each and every one of these things, uh, where we're going to live illuminated, united, directed, and ignited. And, uh, and we're going to talk about over the next few, week, few weeks what it looks like and, uh, and how do we define that. My assignment for today is illuminated. And will you read this passage with me, please, because I believe that it really kind of embodies what illuminated talks about from Psalm 119.105 says this, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Yeah, when we say illuminated, that is what we are going for. We're going for what does life look like when the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light 
on our path? What happens when you allow the Word of God, the Spirit of God that's within the Word of God to lead and to guide you through life? And so for today, we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper through a different passage. And so if you have your Bible, open them up to the book of Psalms, chapter 1, and we're going to read just the first three verses. Psalm chapter 1. Reading from the New International Version, this is what you'll find. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Amen. Pray with me, will you, real quickly? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our time together this morning. Now, God, I pray that the um, word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, that it will be acceptable in your sight. For God, you are our strength and our redeemer. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. There was um, a high school girl by the name of Carrie uh, each and every day, she walked to and from school by herself. Uh, right across the street from our high school was a small park, and at least a couple of times a week when the weather permitted, Carrie would walk past a table or a group of tables filled with older men who were out there playing chess and checkers, just, you know, shooting a breeze, swatting at flies, telling lies, doing what old men do. They were there each and every day when it permitted, when the weather permitted, doing those things, and Carrie would notice as she walked to or after school when they would be there in the afternoon that they would oftentimes, especially one particular table, would stare at her, making her a little bit uncomfortable. Teenage girl, group of older men at a table. Of course, naturally, if men are standing at her as she's walking by herself, she felt uncomfortable. Well, man, this has been happening over the last four years, and finally her last week of high school has come upon her. And uh, she's, she's, she's headed home again, just like usual. When she walks past a group of men sitting out there making noise, rowdy, playing cards, playing chess, doing what they do, she comes to the group, this one particular table where she notices the older men stare at her intently every time. And once she does, she notices one of the men grimacing with a smile, almost peculiar, maybe delightful, probably a little bit creepy because it was an older man. She's a young high school girl seeing an older man just smile at her. She puts her head down like she had done for so many years now, and she tries to just scurry past the old man, making her way to her home. And then all of a sudden, she hears that, that thing I talked about just a moment ago. Their left hand and their right hand were coming together. And when she looked up, she saw all the tables of the old men standing up with smiles on their faces with applause and cheers on their lips. She didn't know what to think about this. One of the older men who always looked and smiled at her approached her and said, honey, don't be nervous. Here's who I am. It turns out this older man was the retired principal of the school that she was attending. And these older men who had gathered here multiple times a week playing chess and cards were retired educators from the neighborhood school system. And it had been their mission since they've come out of or come out of the system and gone into retirement to look for exceptional students so that they could give them scholarships. What Carrie hadn't understood is that for the last four years that they've noticed something different about her. They've noticed since her freshman year that when the high school students do what high school students do, for some reason, Carrie never seemed to be interested in what the crowd was doing. She was always by herself. And Carrie never got caught up. He let her know that they had even been in the school multiple times and saw Carrie in the library. They saw her preparing for her ACT and SAT. They saw her working for the principal and volunteering and different things. And they said, we've been watching you for four years, and you are exactly the student that we've been looking for to bless with our scholarship. Carrie's eyes just flooded with tears. See, she didn't know. She just thought that she was doing what she was supposed to be doing, not knowing the entire time someone was watching her to the point where they were overwhelmed and all they could do 
Let's just give Carrie a round of applause. Brothers and sisters, when you read Psalm 1, understand that it is essentially the same thing happening. This is written as though the psalmist, the songwriter, is an elder. He's been witnessing, watching someone who's been living a certain way, and finally he can't hold himself. He has to make it clear, blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He's been watching them for a while, and this psalm is a blessed, not more so of a favorable condition that God has places on you. This is more of a congratulatory praise. This, this psalmist, this songwriter, has been witnessing this person. They've been watching them, and they said, man, I'll tell you what happiness, what joy, what peace, what life looks like. It looks like this person here. And I just want to say congratulations to them. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Here's what... He's talking to them, saying, I see you, and I know why your life is the way that it is, because this is how you have chosen to live. Now, some will say as they read this, man, that they're, they're, you got to pay attention to the rhythm, to the flow of, of the psalm. you got to see the language that you're talking about first. You're talking about walking, standing, sitting, that they're talking about the deeper that you go into the sinful relationship. Some say that there's a category of the sinners. There are the wicked people. There's the, the sinners and the mockers. I, I don't know if that's important. I don't know if it matters if you stand, sit, or walk. I don't know if it matters the, the left. Matter of fact, according to Scripture, I, I believe that sin is sin, so can't categorize it. Everything that separates you from God is sin. We can't put no sin is greater or less than the other. So it doesn't matter about the level of sin, or none of that matters. The most important thing about this psalm is not whether or not this person uh, or if someone does walk with the wicked people or stand with the sinners or sit with the mockers. That's not the important part of this story. The important part of the story, rather than focusing on what were they doing, the sinners, the mockers, and the wicked people, the most important part is recognizing what did the one person do that allowed them to not become a part of that category. Category. Don't get caught up in what is the wicked people doing or what are the wicked people or the sinners or the mockers doing. Don't get caught up in trying to define them. Define rather what is most important is how did you surround yourself? How did you go to work? How did you grow up where you grew up? How did you come out of the family that you came up in? How did you make it through this year? How did you do all the things that you've done, yet your description is not like them? How did you allow it to happen? The writer says, man, blessed is the one. Happiness, joy, peace, life comes to those who don't look like that. But how do they do it? Well, verse 2 says, because their delight was in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on it, his law, day and night. It's a challenge for us, right? The theory is there are distractions all around us. You can cut on television, you can launch social media, whatever it is, there are a number of things that are wanting to put you in a position to where you find yourself with a different description. What the psalmist says, I've witnessed someone who was able to escape it, and this is how they were able to escape it. They did so by keeping the law and by meditating on it day and night. They, they worked it out. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to you, man. You made it. You still got a smile on your face. Some of you, as Matt just mentioned, sisters in the building today, God bless you. Thank you so much through your pain, through your sickness, man. You continue to press on. You continue to be faithful to God. How do you do it? I don't always understand, but I'm so proud of you. The elder statesman looks from beyond and sees there's something special about you. God has been keeping you. God has been keeping you, and happiness is yours. There are wicked people, sinners, and mockers all around. I believe that because I'm naturally an optimist that we, we, we ought not even focus on those people because, I mean, the reality is the world is filled with them. TV, 
Um, you could be sitting next to one right now. Don't look at your neighbor, by the way. Don't, don't look at your neighbor. Don't, don't. You could see one in the mirror. Don't, don't pull your phone out and take a selfie. It just it don't work like that. They're, 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 they're all around. That's not what's most important. What's most important is how did this person allow the law to become their delight so that their description didn't change? Now, I'll say this parenthetically before I move forward. One thing that I know about true, and Matt talked about this again just a few months ago, as a matter of fact, when he preached is some people are addicted to chaos. And some people actually love the life that the sinners, the mockers, and the wicked people experience. They love that. So they're drawn to drama like flies are drawn to trash. Some people just love that. That's the reality which we experience. None of those people are in here today. That's why I was parenthetical because I didn't want you to think that I was talking about you. I just wanted you to know that there are going to be some people that you're going to try to help to work with to lift up out of those situations. And you want their life to be to delight in the law of the Lord. And they're not all always going to want to. You got to pray for them. You got to be strong for them because they like the problems, the wickedness, and they delight in those things. And for some of those people, we've just got to say, I'm going to pray and believe that God will one day deliver you from that. That's a reality in our world, is it not? You got family members, friends, people who are drawn to those things. And rather than delighting in the law of the Lord, they delight in every other thing that seems opposite to God. But how do you do it? Well, I, I think about this, and, and I'm going to share something with you today, and I'm going to trust because I'm in the company of believers that you won't shame me as I make myself vulnerable. Amen? All right. Um, just a few years ago, I started eating Mexican food. Just a few years ago. Uh, I hated it up until then. Um, and it wasn't until probably my, my mid to late 20s, I, I went out, which is really just kind of like last year, um, <laughs> that I went. <laughs> I, I don't think that was a joke. Um, I, I was at a meeting, I was at a meeting, and after the meeting, we, we proceeded to go to lunch, and everybody wanted to go and eat Mexican, and, and, and I just thought I'd go along to get along. I, I'd go, and while we're there, my fat boy oftentimes speaks whenever I'm around any kind of food, so I, I, I blessed him. I blessed my fat boy, and, and I ordered some food, and, and it was at a Mexican restaurant I'd never been to, so I, I ordered a dish that I saw somebody else have, and man, it was amazing. Like, it was so good. And I'm eating it, and I'm like, why don't I like Mexican food? And so finally, I mentioned to my friend, you know, I, I, I said, I, I hadn't ate Mexican food in like... 10 years or so, like, I, I didn't think I liked Mexican food. He said, where have you ate? I said, well, you know, where I come from, there's only one Mexican restaurant, Taco Bell. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's Mexican, it's run for the border. Um, clearly, it's what they do. And he laughs at me, kind of like your sinful selves are right now. And he says, your issue isn't that you don't like Mexican food, bro. You don't like Taco Bell. And the reality is the Taco Bell ain't really Mexican food. What you've done is you've been tainted. Your taste buds have been tainted by some phony, concocted idea of what Mexican food is that's cheap and that is powerless and that is empty. And now that you're here with the real Mexican food, you'll know that there's something different about it. Well, the same thing happens when it comes to the Word of God. Many people reject the Word of God because they've experienced something that's not real, something that's empty, something that's filled with judgment and condemnation, something that rejects humanity, something that sounds legalistic and horrible and can never bring joy into the world. And so when we're trying to talk about 2019, we want to launch this atmosphere, this community, where we delight in the Word of God, where we delight in the law of the Lord. If the Word of God is Taco Bell to you, baby, it will never happen. But if 
We commit ourselves to learning whom the Lord is through his word. We'll discover that the word of God is something that can be delighted in. With that in mind, what that means is that the word of God is not something that we're going to spend this entire year simply trying to memorize and study just to become smarter and better debaters. No, that's not what we're aiming for. We're not aiming for you learning how to go through the scriptures. We're aiming for you to learn how to allow the scriptures to go through you. So many of us, we were taught, so many people that you want to bring in, the Bible has been used as a weapon to beat people down. That's not what we're aiming for. We're aiming for learning how to pray the scriptures so that you'll let it wash over you. We're aiming for you to learn the character of God so that you'll learn just how great his love is. We're aiming for you to be able to navigate the waters of this cruel and mean world so that you'll know that God is covering you. We're aiming for you learning that God still has power, even though there is an influence. And the Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air. And yes, he has influence over the atmosphere, but he has no control. The power still believes and belongs to God. And although when you cut on any method of social media, it's seems overwhelming and it looks and it appears as though the enemy is winning but I tell you he's not winning he's only influencing and it looks worse than what it actually is God is still in control he's still winning he's still leading he's still restoring he's still saving he's still changing his world it's still working the way that God wants for it to the image you hear the image you check this out is again this 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 observer impressed by watching this one individual work it out. But, but notice, notice, notice the conjunction here. He says, but, which highlights that they were able to resist the wicked, the sinners, the mockers. They were able to do that because they discovered in the law of the Lord that God is bigger than whatever it is that those individuals were engaging in. And so the psalmist is writing about the experiences of extreme joy that come as a result of learning God's word. Have you ever experienced joy in God's word? I mean, has it ever, have you ever been in a situation and maybe, maybe you were a child and there was something that, that, that spoke to you or that you heard or that you memorized. As a kid, we, we, always, we always quoted 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. We, we quoted it all the time to church. If my people, which are called by name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. We quoted that all the time. I, I, I memorize it right now, not because I read it recently, because it has been embedded in me. I didn't know that it meant anything until I was on the campus of Moorhead State university and and one of our classmates was killed and in the midst of people trying to figure out what do we do how to respond to the tragedy within campus it just came out and right there in our dorm we prayed in the hallways for the family of the young man that we lost and his teammates it didn't know but it was right there and at that moment it clicked to me that there's power in this and I was so grateful that the Lord awakened it, awakened it in my spirit so that I could share it with them so that they could see that it had life. And I have a friend to this day who still brings it up how powerful that moment was as we stood in that door proclaiming how powerful the word of the Lord is. They experienced an extreme joy as a result of the law of the Lord, meaning that they weren't just reading the word of God, they were living the word of the Lord. So, you know, James, James tells us that we should be doers of the word and not hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves. The call to God's word is bigger than just memorization. It's about how do we live it out? How do I practically make this or add this to my life so that I live it out so that I can become everything that God has spoken into my spirit? So here's what I want to say to you. We've got a mission as a church, a vision for where we're coming, agents of transformation. But you also woke up in 2019 with visions and dreams and, and things upon your heart that you wanted God to do. How many of you all say, there's something that I just got to see God have for me this year. Anybody? 
Yeah, it's okay. Listen, I know, I know our culture, man, we, we're really, man, one of the things we got to break is we're really kind of, we're suspicious of people and, and we don't trust a whole lot. So even some of our, 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 our plans, our dreams, we're fearful about raising our hands because we're fearful of judgment. We got to let that stuff go. Yeah, I know in social media, we spend a lot of time mocking people with dreams. Some of that stuff, in order to get to what we're getting through, we got to press through that. It's okay to have dreams. It's okay to have a New Year's resolution. It's okay for you to believe that God's going to do something. It's okay for you to have goals. What I want to share with you is this. If you are going to achieve your goals, if you are going to see what God has for you, one of the things you've got to do is believe that the power of it exists and lies within the Word of God. It's right there in His Word. Right in his word. And I know what you're saying. Some of you are saying, man, listen, I try to study and read. It doesn't always make sense to me. It's okay. It's okay. My mom is here today in the front row. Uh, when I was a kid, she, she, was, a, she was a visiting nurse. She, she went to people's homes, and, um, and, she, and she, uh, she, she, she was a nurse. I don't know what else to say to that. That's, that's what she did. She, she nursed at people's homes. Um, I, I was a dirty little boy, so I stayed sick. I, you know, had a lot of illnesses because, you know, as boys, you don't bathe and you play. And, um, and things happen because of that. Uh, well, um, I noticed something that happened with my mom all the time that it didn't matter what I came in the house with, the medicine was still the same. Uh, if I came in and I said, my headache, she gave me an aspirin. And if I came in with, you know, like a scar all the way down my leg, she'd give me the same aspirin. Uh, if I came in talking about, you know, something else hurt, same aspirin she gave me for the headache, for the leg. She gave me the same aspirin for whatever that pain was. Fine, I was about nine years old, never been that smart. I asked Mama, listen, Mama, how come, how come when my head hurts, you give me that pill? How come when my leg hurts, you give me that pill? My stomach hurts, you give me the same pill. She says, baby, it doesn't matter where the pain is, whether it's in your head or your arm or your leg. Your goal is to take the medicine. It's the medicine's job to find the pain. What I'm saying to you is this. It doesn't matter right now if you don't all the way understand what you're ingesting. Your job is to take in the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit's job to find the place where you need Him to be. For some of us, we're, we're, we're looking for solutions and prescriptions in places where there's no hope and there's no help. And you're looking for people who can prescribe something for you because they've read a meme that they've shared with somebody two weeks ago. And it sounds clever, but it's not rooted in the word of God. And you're wondering why that meme, which is telling you to reject people, to hate people, and to look a certain way at people. You're wondering, how come it ain't working? Because the meme said this, baby, the meme ain't the word of God. Take the word of God. And it doesn't always make sense. Sometimes it makes you uncomfortable. Sometimes you don't understand why. But what I will tell you is this. The word of God will heal. It is living it is acting, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. All you do is take it, take the pill, baby. Take the pill and the Lord will find the pain. He'll heal you exactly where he needs you to be healed. That's what, that's what illuminating is about. That's what we're hoping for for our church. That we'll allow the word to come alive in our hearts. I think about, man, people that, that I love. Maybe you have the same thing. And I remember an old man told me this as I was just trying to, man, preach change to somebody. Man, I'm like, I just keep telling them over and over again, and they just won't get it. And he said, boy, listen, it ain't going to happen until the light switch comes on. We're going to spend this entire year flicking at the switch, hoping that it comes alive, hoping that the word illuminates, that it becomes a lamp into our feet and a light into our pathway. Not just about groups and meetings and homes and just going through the Bible. The Bible has to go through us. It's not about just individualized meditating on it. It's about how does the community come together to see change happen within it. We do so beginning with the word of God. And I love it. The psalmist says, here's, here's the result. When you allow the word of God to come alive in your life, he says, here's the result. In verse 3, he says this, that person is like a tree 
planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. And listen to this. Whatever they do prospers. Here's the image real quick. I love the backstory. Some of y'all know I geek out over that stuff. This, this stream, first of all, isn't, isn't a natural stream. This is, this is talking about, this is talking about a, something that was built by human hands. And so what they've done is they've, they've decided that they want the water to come here. And so they've, they've dug a canal so that they can shift the water to go in a certain direction. And once they got the water where they needed it to, then they planted some seeds right there for a tree to grow. They created this situation because they needed something fruitful to happen in their existence. They, they, they went and got the water. They got the seeds. They planted the seeds in the perfect spot so the seeds could grow, could be fed by the water, could, could germinate within the soil so that it could grow into a strong tree that yields fruit in its season because what they need is they need the tree to be fruitful. And in order for the tree to be fruitful, everything has to be right. There's got to be water. There's got to be seeds. There's got to be sun, Right? Yeah, there's got to be water, there's got to be seeds, and there's got to be sun. So they, they put everything together to make sure they get a good, strong tree because they want to make sure that when the storms come, that the roots of the tree are strong enough to withstand it. But they also want to make sure that when their need comes, that the fruit of the tree is there to supply their needs. What I'm saying to you is this, is that you've got to make sure that you direct things through the word of God, that you get you some living water. Yeah, that you let the word be like a seed within your heart. So that as you travail through this year, when issues come, when disappointments come, when people reject you, when problems come your way, you're rooted and you're grounded and you're strong enough to be able to withstand when disappointment comes your way. Put it in perfect position. Yeah. All right, y'all can like y'all didn't understand that. I, I, that took a lot out of me. Um, <laughs> let me give you this last thing and I'm going to take my seat. Um, every, every year, I, um, I, I've been trying to get better. Uh, at the house. Um, pastors typically are horrible at their homes, and so I'm trying to do better. And uh, one of the things, my wife, she, she wants the yard to look nice, and I refuse to pay anybody, so I'm trying to learn how to develop a green thumb. And, uh, and it's getting there, and uh, every year I go and to the same farm, and I buy all these plants and flowers trying to make it pretty. And she'll say, I want color and, and all these things, and so I'll just go and just start buying stuff. And, um, and I'll get there, and usually my stuff dies like within a couple of weeks. Duh, I don't know why, but it, it dies on me. And, um, and so this year, I said, I'm not going to let it happen like that. So what I did, rather than just going and picking stuff up, I, I, I went and found the owner of the farm. And, and I told her, I said, hey, listen, um, this is kind of what we want. My wife says she wants color, perhaps something that even smells good. And, um, you know, and, you know, we want a good presentation when people pull up in front of the crib. And um, she asked me a question that I never would have even known to take into consideration. Didn't even think about it. She said, which direction does your house face? And I paused for a moment for two reasons. Number one, I was trying to figure out why. Number two, I was trying to figure out which direction my house faced. <laughs> And so finally, I said, my home faces east. She says, oh. oh, so there's a whole lot of sun, and it's hot in the middle of the day. I said, yeah, exactly. It's about 3 o'clock. It's unbearable. I said, yeah, how do you know? She laughed and walked away. Um, I followed her, and she picked out certain plants. And she put them on my cart, and she said, these plants are uniquely created to withstand the setting in which you're going to plant them. That they retain enough water that the sun won't kill them, but also when planted in that environment, they thrive. And this year, man, my yard looks so good. My sister-in-law came over and she said, did your mama plant your flowers in our baby? I, I did it. I did them, them my flowers. I did that. I did that, man. 
porch looked all good, man, and, and, and my porch is like my sanctuary. I sit out there and hang and read, and, man, I felt real good about it. That's because my plants, they were put where they were for maximum success. They were planted right. What the psalmist is talking about is that. When he said that whatever you do will prosper, the psalmist is not promising that you're not going to, in this year, deal with some problems. He's not promising that tragedy won't come your way. He's not, he's not promising that you'll have health, wealth, and prosperity. That's not the promises of the psalmist right here. What the psalmist is promising you, however, is that you will be uniquely and ultimately positioned for success when God brings it your way. That's what we've been missing up until this point for so many of us if you've got a testimony like mine. It's not like I haven't been believing that God will do something great. It's not that I've not studied scriptures, not that I haven't read the Bible. It's not that I haven't prayed, but what I haven't always been is in the right place. And what the psalmist is saying to us, brothers and sisters, is that for this year, one church, as we continue to move forward in our lives, as we continue to open up what God is speaking to us for this next phase of ministry, one of the things that we've got to do that can only be accomplished by the Word of God is we've got to be in the right place. We've got to be positioned for when the Lord decides to bless, we are right where the Lord needs us to be. Yeah, and I know there are some of you in here today. You are tired of being in the wrong place. You are tired of doing the same things and getting the same old results. You want to see change, and I don't know what that looks like. I'm talking about the Word of God coming alive in our church, but for you, <laughs> there are some things specifically, practically, that you want to see the Lord do. I'm telling you, man, the Word of the Lord is a lamp unto your feet. It is a light into your pathway, and whatever it is, wherever you need God to speak, the Word of God has a solution for you. Better finances, find it in the Word of God. I ain't saying he's going to give you more, but I'll tell you what, he'll take those five little stones that you got, and he'll work a miracle with what you've got. He'll teach you to be a better steward. Yeah, if you want to be healthy, I'm trying to tell you, it lies within the Word of God. The Word of God has a prescription even for a healthy body. And Jesus grew in goodness and faith, but he also in spirit and in body. It's there within the Word of God. Whatever your goal is, it's here in God's Word. And this season, we want to nurture that in your life so that it's more than just Words on pages are words upon an app, but it is something that will wash over you and that will give you new eyes. Think about the old saints used to say, looked at my hands, and they looked new. I looked at my feet, and they looked new too. That's when the Spirit of the Lord came alive and then by the Word of God, and they saw the world. They saw life through a different lens that they've never experienced it before. I want that, not just for me. I want it for you. The word of God to illuminate and to come alive in your life. Amen? Come on, stand to your feet. Before we go, I'd like to give you an opportunity to, to respond to this. So I'm trying to get Stephanie, Matt, Tracy, if you can come on forward. things that we're committing to this year is that not only are we going to study God's word, man, we want to be a praying church. Now, you guys know, I, I'm, I'm not a petty person. So if I was, I'd spend a significant amount of time today talking about how you miss God move on New Year's Eve, some of you all who weren't here. If I was petty, man, I'd tell you how God moved, how some people received deliverance, how God opened up some situations and people. If I was petty, I'd really dig deep. But I ain't that type of person. I'm not even that guy. Yeah, I don't want you to feel jealous about what God did. Did God move, Tracy? Yeah, Lord, yes, he did. But if I was petty, I'd rub it in. I'm not. 
But on that night, we promised that we would, we'd also activate prayer. And so um, these counselors are here for you to pray with and for you. Sometimes, you know, when you come forward, you don't even know how, always have the words. And so maybe you don't. Um, but they're willing to receive you even still. Or maybe, man, today is the day that you finally say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And Jesus is saying, yes, he just wants you to take that step. They can't save you. They just want to pray with you as you make that declaration. Maybe it's just prayer. Maybe earlier when we prayed for healing and sickness and deliverance, maybe, maybe you should have come and you didn't. There's still time. So here's what's going to happen real quickly. I'm going to pray. You're going to hear my voice. And um, when I conclude, um, your opportunity to come. But let me say this. I won't be mad if you move before I finish. If the Spirit prompts you, please move. And see, see one of them. Also, Joshua, raise your hand. Is Joshua in the back? If you don't want to come up front, he's there to pray with you as well. Let us pray. Faithful you are. And God, you always have been. You always will be faithful. And so, God, we are here today. Many of us believe in you for for something great and tremendous to happen in this year. We want to leave the old miracles in 2019, God, and want to experience the newness of you this year. So move now, Holy Spirit, in us all that we receive exactly what you have for us. And for my sister and my brother who needs to come, Lord, I pray that you give them strength to do so. We believe all things in your name. And this is your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now is your time to come. Will you come? See one of our counselors, will you? Faithful. Come on, will you come?
Hey, listen, listen, man. Thank you so much for you guys uh, coming out, man, this first Sunday of the new year. For all of our guests, thank you so much. I hope that you got a, 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 a communication card, and uh, we'd love to connect with you. I, I'd like for a moment, if he doesn't mind, to uh, acknowledge a good friend of mine. That's Pastor Jamal Williams on the front with his beautiful wife and family who's here. Uh, Jamal is the pastor of Sojourn Midtown, and uh, he's got a little break, so he decided to come out and worship with us. And so, um, wonderful, wonderful man of God. Uh, I feel honored to call him friend, and I'm so glad, man, you guys decided to come out and worship with us today, man. Yeah, and then all of our guests, I feel just as honored to have you, because there are many other places that you could have visited today, but you decided to drop in and to visit with us today. So... From my heart to yours, thank you so much for taking this opportunity and being with us on this day, all right? Don't forget, man, just a couple of brief announcements. Again, the Perspectives class that we have coming up Wednesday night. Uh, we have both youth group and midweek started up again. And don't forget, I need to see you every Sunday for the month of January, amen? Yeah, man, I need to see you here so that you can see how we're opening up this next phase of ministry for our church and then we'll celebrate on the uh the fourth weekend we've got a guest speaker coming in uh for our third year anniversary we want to have a good time celebrating god all right come on grab the hand of your neighbor let's get ready to go home faithful one more time come on sing with us about this a couple of weeks ago that God is 